Welcome back to the best hour of their day. On today's episode, we are diving deep into a very small, specific topic, and that is the whiteboard brief. This is what starts your class. You want to provide the best hour of the day for your members, your clients, your athletes. It starts at the whiteboard. And Fern and I are going to discuss this, and we've been a part of hundreds, if not thousands of whiteboard briefs, and we've reviewed and provided feedback for many as well on the box level at CrossFit seminars. We have seen a whiteboard brief go well, and we have seen it gone epically bad. So what we're going to do today is walk you through what makes a successful whiteboard brief. Short, specific, actionable, just like a cue. We hope you enjoy. We hope you can take something I listen to a ton of podcasts, read a ton of books, and my goal with everything I do is, hey, if I can learn one thing from this, it's been a success. So hopefully you learn one thing, and what I'd like for you to do is if you do learn that one thing, please shoot it over to me so we can provide you an even better experience. We want to help make this podcast the best thing out there for box owners. So shoot me an email, text, slide into the DM, Whatever it takes, let me know what's worked for you. And if you listen to the whole thing, we will tell you that you are welcome to film your whiteboard brief, send it over to us, and we will help evaluate it, provide you feedback, and make you an even better coach. So without further ado, today's episode, all about the whiteboard brief. All right, best hour of their day is back. It's Jason Ackerman, Jason Fernandez here. Fern, welcome. What up, bro? So you just worked a level one this weekend. You're coming back. We're sitting down. It is Tuesday morning. And today we are going to dive into the whiteboard brief. So why don't you kick this off and how would you define the whiteboard brief? So I would, first of all, I think this topic is far more important than people give it credit for and uh, I would define it as it sets the tone for the rest of your class. Like it, it is kind of the basis or the base or your slab for which you build your class. So uh, you and I have been doing level ones for a really long time, which means we've, we've given no shortage of lectures and, and fielded no shortage of questions on lesson plans and how to run classes and the infinite number of what if scenarios and I've got this athlete and in my experience that three minutes at the whiteboard mitigates virtually all of those scenarios almost all of them so two things one you say three minutes I want to talk about that how long should a good whiteboard brief be but do you think this is the most overlooked aspect of running a successful class Probably second to just having a lesson plan. I think from there it is is probably the most overlooked aspect of running a class. As somebody who has a really solid ability to brief a workout and and paint what I like to describe as paint a picture that the athletes fill in themselves runs an efficient class. They don't have pushback from the athletes. They don't have any misunderstanding about what's supposed to happen. They don't have people that are scaling in correctly. So all of these things that are generally the problems that coaches have in the classes can be solved in at the whiteboard. Right. Because like you said, uh, Hey, 
Susie's ankle is hurt. What is she going to do? How much weight should I use? RX is 185. I can't do that. Cool. We're going to solve that problem. Just shut the F up and listen to me talk at this whiteboard for three minutes and I'm going to answer everything for you. Yeah. And you can definitely overdo the whiteboard too. So that's a real thing. And we'll get into that, but you, you, there are certain things that you really need to cover at the whiteboard and uh, you can save yourself a lot save yourself from a lot of headaches if you start to really dial this in and do this well. And it's also a good way to make the class entertaining. You know, like the whiteboard doesn't have to be all business. You can do both at the same time. So first question, how long should it be? No longer than five minutes, but I would tell you that five minutes is a bit on the long end and I'm, you know, full disclosure and I'm sure you are too. Like I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody of going, for five minutes and sometimes that, or maybe even longer, depending on the class of the day and who the, who the people in the class is. But like, I would tell you three minutes is that sweet spot. You can, you can discuss and put out a lot of information in three minutes without belaboring the point. Yeah. I was going to make a joke about never going longer than five minutes, but it's a friendly podcast. So <laughs> yeah, because think about it, this is the best hour of their day. The, the average person coming in, literally a 60 minutes. And if you're telling me you're taking five of their 60 minutes of fitness to talk to them, you're wasting their time. Yeah. Usually, usually in my experience, when I watch coaches brief the whiteboard, once you get past three minutes, you're either becoming incredibly redundant or you're just babbling about things that are not actually relevant. Um, so that three minutes is plenty of time to give the major bullet points and talk and, and for the most part, answer the questions that people are going to have. Okay. So if someone's going too long, you say they're being redundant. What are, let's, you know, chip away at these. What are some other mistakes they might make? Let's eliminate mistakes. And if you're listening, think about the last time you briefed, did you do any of these things that we're about to discuss? So for sure, it's like redundant. Hey, you've already talked about the thruster. Stop talking about the thruster. We get yep. it. What else, what else might you see? So the first, the, one of the big things that I see, and I, and I still haven't figured out why this happens is people will try to backtrack. They'll try to work backwards and they'll talk about all the things in the workout and then they'll say what the workout is. So they kind of do it backwards. So a good workout brief, you should go through very, very quickly what the workout is just so that people can wrap their brains around it. Then you backtrack and start to dive in a little bit on the specific pieces for that workout. But every anytime I see somebody do it backwards and they start to dive in or they start to explain the stimulus first, it, it creates problems and they, have, they end up having to do some rework in the brief. So I think there's definitely a specific order with which you should do that. I'm putting you on the spot, do, but do you feel comfortable kind of giving an example of that? Let's, let's say for today's purposes throughout the whiteboard discussion, we're talking about Fran, right? Classic yep. CrossFit workout. So where would you see this go wrong? So this work, this brief would sound something like this. So I'll kind of do this on the spot. All right, guys, friend, you guys know this is an iconic workout. This workout's supposed to be really, really fast. We want to make sure that we're not putting the barbell down. We want to try to make sure that we can cycle those pull-ups really, really quickly. Remember, the middle round of that 15 is really, really difficult. We want to try not to put the bar down, make those transitions really quick, uh, you know, and then – they're going to start from there working their way back into like what the actual workout is instead of starting with here's the workout. And obviously you, you went at that fast, but you, you know, things that you've said that maybe you would have expanded upon would be, Hey guys, this should be unbroken. When you pick up that bar, 
you're hitting that first set of 21. We know the round of 15 sucks, but your goal is to go unbroken. And what you've kind of done there is subtly told them, hey, dummy, you can't go 95 today. Correct. So I think the first thing is, and it's weird because people skip this, is just tell them what the workout is and, and be fairly vague. You know, like when I, when I, if I'm trying to get the brief done pretty efficiently, like if I was going to do Fran, I would say, all right, guys, here's the workout today. Uh, it's Fran. The rep scheme goes 21, 15, 9. That means I'm going to do 21 thrusters and then 21 pull-ups and then 15 and then 15. And then we're going to finish with nine and nine. So Right there, because I think what a lot of people fail to recognize is more often than not, there's going to be somebody in the class who has not done Fran. There's going to be somebody in the class who doesn't understand the rep scheme. And if you start getting into the strategy of Fran and cycling the barbell before fundamentally telling them what the workout is and how it works, they're confused. And now I've created anxiety for this athlete who already was scared to be there and now has a ton of questions that they're, that when I do backtrack and tell them the workout, they're not It's not going to register that it's not going to go in their brain because I've freaked them out. You know, I, I love that. I really do love that. And I think people listening should take that. We so often assume everyone knows what they're doing. You know, everyone understands what we're talking about. It's like, some that could be someone's very first class out of on ramp or fundamentals, and it's like they do, they still don't understand our lingo, our language, and they see twenty one fifteen nine. Is it of both? Is it of one? Is there something I'm missing? So it's like, hey, you're going to do this movement, then this movement, and move back and explain it in super simple terms. And I think, and I think the best way to do that is tell them the workout, tell them the rep schemes. And when I give that initial kind of like burst of what the workout is, I don't talk about any of the loading. I leave that out and I'll come back to it and I'll circle back to it because that's a, that's a different discussion altogether. But it's like, hey, guys, we're going to do thrusters and then pull-ups. We're going to do 21-21, then 15 and 15, and then 9 and 9. So even somebody on their first day is going to have a pretty good grasp of what the workout is at that point. Now I can start to dive into the strategy and the stimulus of the workout a little bit more. But you can't. You can't skip steps because you leave people behind. I like that. So you start off slow. You're layering it in. Then you get to, you know, words you just threw out there is stimulus. So the whiteboard brief is really where you're setting the table for scaling. Yes. So you and I have a good definition of scaling. And what's the purpose of scaling? You know, if we're going to go by the level one manual, the purpose of scaling is, you know, to preserve the intended stimulus of the workout. So that, that means a couple different things. It it means to preserve the movement stimulus and to preserve the time domain stimulus of the workout or the round uh, or reps domain of the workout. So we have to express to people what that is. And I think it's also important in some instances to express to them and this might even be more important to express to them what it is not. For example. So for example, if we're going to say Fran, you know, a lot of, so, and we, so we'll use Fran because it's, it's a fairly simple workout from a rep scheme and movements. However, it, that gives a lot of people anxiety. So we know it's a fast workout, but there's always the athlete in the class who can probably do Fran at the prescribed weight of 95 or 65 for the thrusters and the pull-ups. 
but could they do it in the time frame that Fran is intended to be done? So I would say on the long end, the very long end, eight minutes for Fran, if you're going to do it prescribed. So in that, when giving the brief, I would say, Hey guys, you might be able to do the thrusters at 95 and the pull-ups, but if you think this is going to take you 12 minutes, this is no longer the same workout. So let's scale the load, potentially even the reps to something that gets us done in eight minutes or less. You know, and I think with every topic we discuss on here, we're going to realize we can really take these down some rabbit holes. And right now, this is endless. This is endless. You know, right now the goal is to focus on that whiteboard brief, but I agree with you, right? There's, I had this conversation with someone at the gym, like there's a time and a place to push that RX and hit that RX button. But you're right. It's like at, at what point? And I think you nailed it. Like that eight minute Fran is like, all right, congrats. You did it RX. That's a big achievement. Now the goal is we need to get you faster. But if I'm watching a class and someone's, you know, picking up that round of nine and it's, you know, eight minutes, nine minutes into this workout, we've failed them. Yeah, we've, we've missed the mark on what that is supposed to look and feel like. And I think you have to tell people what it's supposed to look and feel like because they're, they, all they see is 95, 65 and, and butterfly kipping pull-ups. When what I want them to see is don't put that bar down and go really fast. And, and you and I will have a whole nother episode on effective scaling and how to do that. Yep. But I think you're right that it starts at the whiteboard and I'll ask your opinion on this, but for me, a lot of times, and again, I think I'm diving too far into it when I see a time cap. So we're doing France today, time cap 10. What that's telling me is you're not confident in your whiteboard brief and your ability to scale people. I agree with that. And I would even double down on that. I would also even go so far as to say, you have no idea how that workout's supposed to be executed. Meaning what? Meaning that the coach who's giving that brief, if you go ahead and throw a time cap on that, you don't actually understand the programming. So your ability to brief the wad correctly, meaning means that you understand how the workout is supposed to unfold and you understand what appropriate scaling is. The second you throw a time cap on it means that you fundamentally don't understand that or don't care. Yeah. So it's twofold, you know, and I, hit almost every workout I can before I coach it. So I understand it and can tell people, Hey, you know, it's, it's in this round of 15, seven reps in your brain is going to tell you to put it down, but you need to hold on. Or, you know, I remember the first time I went on broken in France. So having that experience certainly lays it down. And what I tell people, you know, and and granted, Hey, you want to put a time camp up there because you, no matter how well you brief, sometimes you will have that person that, doesn't listen and goes RX or tries to go too heavy. And we'll talk about how to fix that later on, but there, you can still address that in the whiteboard brief too. Absolutely. And you know, what I tell people is I've done a good job at the whiteboard when everyone is finishing a given workout, you know, within a minute or two, or if we're doing an AMRAP, everyone's getting within the same round or two, because that means they've all scaled appropriately and I've done my job. And sometimes you know, a bad job is someone's still going. And sometimes a bad job is someone has done too fast. You know, if I, if we're doing Fran and someone's done in a minute and 10 seconds, I've done them a disservice too. Correct. Correct. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So let's, let's take it back to the whiteboard brief, three minutes to be up there. What's coming after you, you go over the workout. 
So first thing, my order kind of goes, first, what is the workout? From there, I'm going to tell people what the stimulus is. And I want that to be on the front end because I want that to, I want that to simmer as I move from what the stimulus is into some of the movements and some of the loading. Because if I tell them what the stimulus is first, whether it's whether it's rep schemes or whether uh, it's a number of rounds or whether it's a specific time domain, they've already got a weight in their head. They're like, Oh, okay. If I'm going to do it that fast, this is probably the appropriate weight for me from there. Go ahead. No, no, I I like that where you're, you know, now without even telling them they've started to think about it and I, and I don't want to get off topic again, but as you were saying that, my question becomes, how do you address those people that never do the opposite and challenge themselves? Meaning that they... We all have Susie always, at the gym. always underwork? Correct. We, we all have the Susie at the gym that it's like, cool, we're doing thrusters, 55. Cool, we're doing snatches, 55. Or green band, green band, green band. So that, so that was what I would circle back with. And I would talk to them, you know, once I get to the movements and the loading, this is when I talk to them about, you know, something to the tune of, Hey, you should be able to do this many reps at a time at a given weight, or, um, this should take you about this long. So those people that are undershooting that again, I'm covering down on them as well. So after I give that total stimulus, there's a lot of ways you can do that depending on if you were going to use Fran, for example, and I'm shooting for eight minutes, you know, you would say, Hey guys, this means on the long end, on the very long end, that your first round should be done in three and a half to four minutes, you know? Yeah. So you're setting it up for success both ways. Hey, I need you to go unbroken, but at the same time, you know, 21 isn't necessarily your fastest 21. You may have to take a breath in there. It shouldn't be light either. Correct. And I think, um, I think that's where, you know, kind of telling them what it is and what it is not is, is super beneficial because some people, again, they're like, okay, that's what it is, but you really have to be specific about what it is not in some instances. Guys, Fran, this is not a 15 minute workout. That's a lot different than saying Fran is eight minutes and under. I like that. I like that. So we're setting the tone as far as, Hey, this is fast, but it's also not necessarily, you know, it, it, it's still a grind. Yeah, it's a grind. It should hurt. It should be painful. And I, and again, I think if you, from a, from a standpoint of like the big takeaway here, and we're going to dive into some more of the nuts and bolts of this, but the goal, so the overarching goal, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, what makes a good whiteboard brief? A good whiteboard brief is you, again, I mentioned this earlier, I put the outline of the picture up on the board. They color it in themselves but I lead them to that along the way. And the first place I do that is with the whiteboard. So as you're going through this now, where are we at? So we've covered, you know, first, what is the workout? Then we kind of told them the stimulus. Now I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, loading and then things like different scaling options. And you don't have to cover all the scaling options, but you should give the big ones. Like you should give the big ones such as somebody who has an injury or if they're going to, if they have an opportunity to use dumbbells versus a barbell, or if it's a complex movement, what are the different scaling options that are available? Again, you don't have to cover every single possible scaling options, but you should cover the top two, maybe three for each movement to go into that because you're going to know probably 
that one or two people in your class that's going to need something further than that. And you can address that a one-off um, or you can think of it this way. I can just address it right there. So they don't feel like they have to come to me and, and be singled out. Yeah. You know, I, I hear people kind of going back and forth on that. You know, we don't want to single this person out. And I'm like, yeah, we do. Like, because a, they're going to monopolize your time. Otherwise, when you're trying to deal with the rest of class, they're going to come up to you. And that's cool. Don't get me wrong. But there's, you know, for example, I'm going to coach today at three 30 and we're going to have a woman, Kate, and she has a shoulder injury. So if we're doing Fran, I'm going to say, Hey, Kate, you're using dumbbells and on your injured side, cause she still can move. You're going to use five pounds. Cool. You know, or you're going to use an empty bar or potentially if we have to, you're going just single arm, but that way, a she's taken care of. And there are probably other people in that class that may have something you didn't realize going on with their body. So, so if if I was just going to give this brief and again, we'll use Fran as an example, just because I think it's easy. Uh, if I was going to brief that as far as movement, you know, so let's say I've, I've talked about what the workout is, how long it should take. I say, all right, guys, let's talk about these two movements. First, let's talk about the thruster. First and foremost, guys, at most, each one of these should be able to get done three sets max. So if you can't do seven thrusters at the weight you've chosen, that's the wrong weight. All right. If you have an injury for whatever reason and you can't go overhead, we're just going to front squat. If you can't squat, we're going to do a push press instead. If for whatever reason we need to switch a barbell to dumbbells, let's do that. But let's make sure it's not going to be a one one for one. So if you're going to use 95 on the barbell, we might not use 45s for that. We might want to go a little bit lighter. For the pull-ups, if you have pull-ups, I want to try to stick to pull-ups. But maybe 45 pull-ups is too much for you. Maybe we do 21.59 for the thrusters, but maybe we do 12.96 for the pull-ups. If we're still working on the pull-up, maybe we change that to a jumping pull-up or a ring row. So I want to stop you right there because you just touched on something tremendous. And I think I've not found a lot of CrossFit coaches that do this well. And that is, you know, when we think about intensity, we think about load time and reps, right? Force distance and time. And too often it just becomes load. And, you know, in the pull-up scenario, load becomes a band. It becomes a band rather than reps. Like there's, Nothing wrong. And this is how I scale people. I, you know, same example. I got this girl, Teresa at the box who can now do pull-ups. She can't do 45, but she can probably get nine, six, and three. Cause as she's getting tired, you know, the pull-ups are going to go. So there's nothing wrong. And there's plenty of people out there that can move the load. So they move 21 thrusters and then they do, you know, per your example, 12 pull-ups, 15 thrusters, nine pull-ups, nine thrusters, six pull-ups. They're getting that same back and forth stimulus and they still may have to break up the pull-ups, but they're not just completely, you know, changing it to banded or jumping. And that's something I'll cover in the brief. And, and I, and I, and I'm pretty pointed about this. I'll say, listen, guys, if we have a skill, if you have pull-ups, we're doing pull-ups, we're going to modify the volume accordingly. So if you have muscle-ups, maybe it's a work, like maybe it's, a workout that has, you know, five to seven muscle ups in each round. I will tell people if you have muscle ups and that muscle ups per round looks like one or two, that's what we're doing. Because if you're not working on that skill, you're never going to get better at the skill. Same thing for double unders. If you have double unders, but you can only do them sporadically, we're going to do double unders. We're just going to bring the volume down so that it's appropriate. But when you're given that brief, when you're given that brief, don't just automatically punt people over to, you know, lesser, 
movements. Yeah, and I don't want to dive too far into scaling because I think we're going to have, you know, quite a few episodes on that. But don't be the coach that's just like, okay, it's pull-ups, go get your band every time. Like, no, that's this a goes back to, Right, it goes back to you as a coach understanding the workout. Fran, you know, you and I hop on the bar, not bragging, but we're going unbroken on 21 pull-ups. So we have to understand that's the stimulus. We hit a workout like Angie, for example, with the hundred pull-ups, all of a sudden there's a different game plan for those 100 pull-ups. Exactly. We, we have to scale people towards that game plan, but let's take it back to the brief. Cause we can go off topic here. Back yep. to the brief. Continue. One other strategy that I will utilize sometimes because the athletes just don't think about this. And, and this is more, if you're, if you're a little bit more seasoned in CrossFit, this is a really, really good last little thing to sprinkle at the end of the brief to kind of force people into scaling. So give the total volume because if you just give rounds and the reps, those numbers are deceiving because they only see 21 or they only see 15. They don't see the total volume. So sometimes you have to tell them what the total volume is and you might have to do that beforehand. But for instance, if the workout is like 10 rounds of 10 and 10, let's use 10 rounds of, uh, make it up on the spot, 10 rounds of 10 pull-ups and 10 wall balls. And people are like, Oh, I can do 10 pull-ups. I'm sure you can. But remember guys, this is a hundred pull-ups and that paints an entirely different picture. Again, that they start to fill in themselves and they're like, I can't do a hundred pull-ups. So they don't even start to bite off on 10 and 10. So sometimes the adding that total volume in there for those people that you think are going to make a bad decision is a way to talk them off the ledge. Yeah, and, and that's a really great point. Something I often don't even think about. You're right. You know, uh, what, what do we always say about CrossFit workouts? Like the more simple it looks on the whiteboard, the more devastating it is. Absolutely. And, and, and you're right. A workout like that. And, and what people also don't start to think about going into that is, a workout like that where you're 10 and 10, you know, the functions are different. So you're fresh going back and forth. Hence, you can move faster. Hence, you're getting more intensity, which is going to what, you know, obviously lead to results, but also what leaves you feeling beat up the next day. So well, it, it also lends itself to stacking up volume faster than you anticipate. Right. So you're going to get to a pretty high number fairly quickly which has its own set of problems. You know, you break down in technique or we start to get some, you know, muscular failure, stuff like that. So again, you, again, you have to paint that picture that that person who was kind of on the fence is like, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. Like, that's kind of what you want them to say in their mind. They're like, that's not appropriate for me. So you've, you've, you've created this outline. Like you said, you're letting them color it in. Now you've discussed the overall volume what comes next from there I'll ask for questions and then I'll give the opportunity for people to catch me later. I'll just say, Hey, listen, is there anything that I didn't cover or any questions that anybody has? And I'll either get one or two questions. And that's a different thing. If I get a question that generally means the brief wasn't good enough. Uh, and then from there I'll be like, Hey, if we need to have any other scaling that needs to go on, get with me as we go through the warm up." but I'm going to give them that out. I'm not going to ask the group for injuries because you're never going to get that person's going to say that they have an injury. If they do, they're probably an OG in your class who doesn't care, but the vast majority of people will not. So just open that door for them to come grab you as they go through. 
Yeah, or they start moving and realize, hey, I am really sore from yesterday or I had a tweak that I wasn't aware of and and they'll come up to you. And and if you've done a good enough job at the whiteboard, a lot of those questions should be answered. And you're always going to have your members that weren't paying enough attention and then they ask you a question anyway. But yeah. you're right. For the most part, if you've done your job, your, your athletes are like, cool, let's go. Yep. And there's one other thing in there that I'll add, and this is workout dependent, right? So this, this is not an all the time type deal, but depending on your gym, your space, your equipment, the workout, the number of athletes, you may need to briefly touch on any sort of logistical plan that may need to unfold. So for instance, we have 10 skiers at our gym but I'll regularly have more than 10 athletes in the gym for a workout. So let's say it's 19 athletes in the class and I've got 10 skiers. I need to tell them right up front because they already have the question and I don't want them thinking about that through the workout or through the warm up. I want them paying attention. You might tell them, Hey guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stagger start this by two minutes. And uh, what we're going to do in the warm up is I'm going to pair you up for the warm up. One of you is going to be athlete number one. One of you is going to be athlete number two. You guys figure out who that's going to be. And uh, athlete one is going to start first. Athlete two will start second. Or if there's any sort of specific logistical layout that needs to happen, do that right out of the gate. For a while, we had a little diagram, like a a diagram that was um, kind of, uh, it was laminated and was pasted to the whiteboard where we would literally draw before class the logistical layout of all the equipment. We don't do it anymore, but it does have tremendous value depending on the complexity of the workout. And then I think a lot of that will be covered when we dive into creating a timeline because that's really just being prepared. Be prepared for your class. You know, even a workout like Fran, depending on your box, you get 20 people showing up. It may be floor space. It may be pull-up bar space. You know, this may be where you say, hey, we're going to partner you up today. And then it becomes making sure people don't go back and forth in the middle of a workout. Like I'll do 21, you do 21 because you'll get people that do that wrong or one partner finishes and the other goes. So it's really a matter of being like, you know, if we are going to partner you up, Hey, we're going to partner you up. We're going to run two heats. One person's doing the entire workout. When you're done, cheer on the next person. Do not start all those things. Basically be clear with your direction. And if you have a plan, it's going to be easier to execute all of this. Yeah. And, and like I said, it's not, that's not an all the time thing. You will, you, gen, you will generally know when that needs to happen. Uh, but you definitely want to at least address it to kind of let people know that you've got it under control because everybody always assumes that you haven't thought of that. Like I've, I've got athletes that have been with me for like six years and they'll be like, what are we doing? I'm like, when was the last time that I could not have that sorted out for you? And they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. And I'm like, so just go ahead and put it out there. So everybody's like, he's got it under control. I'm not worried about it. Right. Like, oh shit, I didn't realize we only had 10 skiers, even though I'm <laughs> on the place, right? Like, I love it when people think like, I figured out what Fern didn't know. Like, we, we got this. <laughs> got him. I'm like, yeah, sorry. No, thanks. So, I mean, really that's what creates a great whiteboard brief, which ultimately you know, and I really think it can't be overlooked because people are coming in from work or before work, you know, even more so in the morning. It's like, I don't want to think. I just almost want to be told what to do so I can focus on moving well, having a good time and, and getting a great workout. And I think it's overlooked the importance of that whiteboard brief. I've taken classes where there really isn't 
even a whiteboard brief other than, you know, take a look at the workout. So you're doing your members a disservice by not setting them up for success. Yeah, massive disservice. And and be prepared. And this is one of the most frustrating things as a coach, but it, it just is what it is. It's, it's part of the course and it's part of the job. You're going to have to repeat yourself. There's always one athlete in the class. You finish what is the most imma- immaculate whiteboard brief. And they'll they'll kind of look at you. And then they'll say, so what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you, I've, I've been there or you finish it and then you hear the toilet flush and you're like, no, <laughs> someone was in the bathroom during that, you know, and, and again, you know, and I think this goes back to the name of the podcast, best hour of their day. Like too many people are hard asses there. Like I love, like, for example, I'll use Kate. Hopefully she's not listening. She's a real person and she's crazy. <laughs> You know, she's crazy, and but she's the cool crazy where I can joke around with her. I'd be like, hey, Kate, are you going to pay attention today or what? And she'll just <laughs> laugh. And, like, it should be fun. And if you're at the whiteboard not having fun and being too strict, that's a problem, too. It needs to be a conversation, if you will. Uh, yeah, 100%. And that's a skill set that's developed over time is the ability to kind of to, to joke around while giving all the pertinent information and, and interacting with people you're not going to be able to do that at first. Like you're just going to have to give the whiteboard brief, you know, as like bullet points from a white paper and it's going to sound super dry. But once you get comfortable with that, and a lot of this has to do with your preparation, then you can kind of loosen up and you can joke around and you can be like, you know, I've got the same member. I'm like, Hey Adrian, we're not going to be using 135 pounds for the thruster bar today, even though you probably think you can do that. And everybody will be like, ah, you were definitely going to try to do that. And I'm like, yeah, it's not happening. And, you know, and, so. And that, you know, that's the art of coaching and knowing your clients. I've, I've made that mistake where I call people out and they're upset with me after because they're not the person. Like, you can bust my balls all you want in class, right? Yeah. But, but we all know we have guy friends that if you do that, they get embarrassed, they get mad at you. So that just takes time. And I would say err on the side of caution. It's like never ask a woman if she's pregnant, right? Same deal. Unless you're 100% certain you can joke around with this person. Don't do it in front of the class. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And and then I love it. That's when you can really throw in your own flavor, if you will. So I want to ask you about yours. Like for me, I like to tell stories about workouts. If we were doing Fran, I would tell them about, you know, how I did Fran at my level one in 2007 and thought I was hot shit and it was eight minutes and 30 seconds, you know, like, you know, and that's my humor. And then eventually, you know, maybe even throw out that brag of like, Hey, my best is 244. It's on YouTube somewhere, but let people know that you've lived it. What I don't like is I see a lot of coaches kind of talk about like the CrossFit games and this athlete and that athlete. And it goes back to what you said earlier. It's like some of these people don't even know what a thruster is. You start talking about Matt Frazier and Tia Claire, and now they're like, should I know this? Who are these people? Why don't I know this? And yeah. it's, it's not as enjoyable for them. Yeah. Focus on your box, not what's going on outside your box. You know, if you want to talk about what's something that saw that happened earlier in their day, you're like, Hey, the 9am crushed it. Everybody came in at these exact times because they scaled appropriately, you know, give them some reference points. Cause you know, there's always people across classes that are looking at that other athletes. So don't be afraid to use that to your advantage because you can, you can kind of use somebody in a previous class who made a good or bad decision to kind of, push people in the right direction in those later classes they're like oh well john used 65 and did it in six minutes well he's fitter than me so i'm definitely going to use 55 for this workout you know so use those earlier classes and those times on the board as as some 
some benchmarks so that they can look at that and, you know, again, make a, make a good decision. Like your job as the coach is to help people make good decisions. Yeah. And, and, you know, that could be pointing out somebody and being like, Hey, you know, Vince, he usually comes to this class. He hit the 7am. He got this time, John, I want you to try to chase that. Now you've dangled that carrot for him. So he sees that. And, and it's also good as a coach. There are times where I haven't had a chance to hit the wad. I can obviously look at it and have a good idea of what I think people should be getting, but I've been wrong before. So I'll look at earlier classes and say, okay, looks like everyone's falling in this, you know, seven or eight minute time range, or it looks like everyone's getting around four or five rounds. And I look at the people that I know scale appropriately to give me that gauge. Yeah. And there's one other thing, and I think we could probably wrap it up with this one. And and I think this comes last. This is probably the last thing I would try to add to my whiteboard brief if I was working on this. And I just, uh, Cassidy, who's one of my coaches, uh, he's also on seminar staff. Um, He just recently went to the adaptive course. Have you gone to the adaptive course? I've not taken it, but I would definitely like to. It's on my list of seminars to take. Mine too. And one of the things they talk about in the adaptive course, this is uh, this is kind of the psychological piece of coaching, is they really put an emphasis on avoiding using terms such as can't, right? Wow. So, so this one is super, super tough to do from a coaching standpoint. So a perfect example would be this, and we'll, we'll just stick with friends so that everything here is consistent. All right, guys, 21, 15, 9, thrusters and pull-ups. If you can't do pull-ups, we're going to do ring rows. So automatically, I've put somebody like in the dunce hat, you know, and a simple way to rephrase that would be, guys, we've got a couple different options here. I've got pull-ups and ring rows. My folks who are going to be doing pull-ups, you guys are going to be set up over here. All my folks who are still working on the pull-ups are going to be doing ring rows. You're still, you're over here. So I didn't label them as not being able to do something. I just kind of labeled them as like, you're working on a skill set. That's phenomenal. And, you know, something I've not thought about it from that whiteboard perspective, which is great. That is definitely something I try to do as a coach. I remember, you know, growing up wrestling, I heard it one time and I want to uh, attribute it to Randy Couture, a UFC fighter, but he would always say, try to coach in the positive. So you tell somebody, you know, say we're wrestling and I say, hey, Fern, don't get taken down. Now all yeah. of a sudden you get taken down and you're like, shit, not only did I get taken down, but I wasn't supposed to and my coach is mad at me. Yeah, so, and I was definitely I was definitely not trying already to get taken down. Like, I, yeah, I did. Yeah, like, <laughs> no shit, I shouldn't be on my back here, right? So, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and, and in my head, and this, you know, Greg Amundsen used to say, you know, talk to yourself in the positive, you know, and it would be, you know, Greg Amundsen, a CrossFit OG, if you Google him, so rather than even, you know, you might say to yourself, don't stop over and over again, thinking you're being positive. But every time you say don't stop, you're saying stop. Yeah. Right. Same so I always, going. right. I always try to say that and I'll catch myself saying that to somebody once in a while. And I quickly just try to reframe it. But, you know, so if you're listening and you're coaching, try to keep going, throw words of encouragement out there. You know, you can do it. Hold on for more that type of stuff. And I, I love it that it starts at the whiteboard brief. And, yeah. and, and really like does. I said, that's last because that's a, that's a really tough to layer in just because for most of us, that type of terminology is, is, pr- is pretty habitual. Like it, it's not, it's not necessarily even wrong 
to use that terminology, but we want to flip it and, and create a better experience for those people. Because if the first experience of the best hour of their day is me telling them what they can't do, I've already started off on a, on a bad foot. Exactly. So last piece that I do want to ask you about, you know, and sure. this is kind of stylistic, you know, I, I, I throw in some flavor on my own. Obviously we all have our own sense of humor, personality, like we would say on seminar staff, be you at an 11, just be fun, be energetic. Um, one thing I would add to all of this is start on time. Typically the whiteboard brief is the first thing. My class today starts at 3.30. I know people will stroll in late, but I'm at that whiteboard at 3.30 because if I start pushing it back to 3.32, 3.35, they're just going to keep showing up later. Yes, agreed. And on that note, when they do show up, and this is a mistake that a lot of people make because this is part of your whiteboard brief. Like this is going to happen. When that person shows up late, just say, hey, Jason, good to see you. Glad you're here and continue on with your whiteboard brief. Don't call them out for being late. Don't do it. Don't make them do burpees, you mean? No, that's, it's fucking stupid. Don't do that. Just say, Hey, what's up? I'm glad you're here because at the end of the day, you have no idea what that person's going through. Like they may have had a shitty day at work. So just tell them, Hey, what's up? Glad you're here. Now there are on the flip side, and this is kind of the art of coaching. There are my folks who are habitually late and I'll give them a hard time if they show up on time. And again, that's the art of coaching. That's knowing your people, but I agree. Nothing makes me cringe more than that coach that yells at them and makes them do burpees. Cause unless it's that habitual person, it's like when they're four minutes late, they're already anxious. You know, we've all been in the car, like getting stopped at that last red light. Like, Oh man, I'm going to be late. You're already upset. No need to make it worse and punish them. In fact, I'm too far the other way. Like uh, it'll be three forty, three forty-five. Someone I've had people try to take the four thirty class. I'm like, well, you're here just come and take my class. Like, I love having people there. Why wouldn't I like, I can do yeah. that. Like I can take class. Like, yeah. Like you missed the brief. I'll go over it with you, but you didn't, as long as I don't feel like you're putting yourself in danger because you missed something. Correct. We're warmed up, but yeah, make it fun. Um, and then as far, just as your own spin flavor, do you have anything you do? So for example, I don't do this every day, but I'll think of a goofy question, like an icebreaker, especially when there's, people there for the first time out of on-ramps or elements, you know, it could be something just like, what's your favorite movie? What was the first concert you went to? I like asking what sock do you put on first? Do you, do you ask questions of the day or do you do anything unique at your box or for you? I don't do any of those. I've tried those for me. Those kind of get out of hand. Um, I, I will ask pretty frequently. I'll ask them about previous workouts in the week that I know were pretty rough. And that, and that generally creates a little bit of dialogue in the group. Um, they're like, Oh God, that workout was terrible. My legs still hurt. And they're like, Oh, I skipped it. And they're like, yeah, you're a shit bag. Next time show up. <laughs> um, so I'll talk about that kind of stuff. Or if there's just anything going on, I'll ask them, you know, if they saw, you know, if they saw the game last night or anything like that and, and make fun of somebody who's a, you know, fan of the losing team or something like that. But, um, you know, I, it's for me, it depends on the class, but I, you know, for a while there, I got pretty lengthy on the briefs and I've, I've been really trying to dial that in while still having a good time. So I'm trying to cut some of that stuff out because I just like to interact with people. So, you know, I could easily do an 11 minute whiteboard brief and it'd be amazing. Everybody have a good time, but now we have a 49 minute class. Yeah. And I think that's gotta be key. Like if you're coaching CrossFit, chances are it's because you love people, I hope. And also 
to some extent because you like talking to people. So you want to make sure that that whiteboard brief isn't your opportunity to have an 11 minute monologue at the whiteboard because yeah and there's and we'll talk about this in lesson plans but if, if there's things you left out in the brief there's other places you can weave the, that information in or double back and double down on it so you don't have to cover everything at the whiteboard brief you just have to cover the big ticket items but you can cover some of that other stuff in the general warm-up when people are grabbing barbells or people are setting up or people are on the floor stretching or doing some sort of dynamic warm-up you can add to that white brief there. It doesn't have to be this all-inclusive, you know, dissertation of the day. Yeah, I think a good way to wrap that up would just be less is more. If you're still going at 11 minutes, because I've been there when I'm taking class and the guy's still talking, I'm like, I just want to move. Less is more for most things in life, but especially at the whiteboard. 100%. So here's the challenge for everybody, guys. Master that whiteboard brief. Set that clock. Try to give all of that pertinent information. What's the workout? What's the stimulus? What are my scaling options and how should that unfold? And try to get it done in three minutes, guys. It's a lot harder than you think. And we'll tell you what, if you do that and you record yourself, you can send it to us. We'll have our information in the podcast notes. If you send it to us, we'll take a look at it. But if it's more than three minutes, we're not going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's not entirely true. But if you send me an eleven-minute one, I don't even need to watch it, right? If you no. send us, if you send us one, we're happy to give you feedback and tell you what you can do better with it. And we hope that by listening to this, it, it makes your classes better and helps your athletes have the best hour of their day. Any uh, any last things to add to the whiteboard brief, firm? No, that's it. Make sure you do it. Do it well. It's an art. Practice it.